Welcome to the Faith FX Podcast. I'm Bernie Vandewall. I'm Mark Buchanan. And this is where faith and life meet. Great music to start this show, and we're going to continue talking about music today on Faith FX. And we're going to hear some great music. We, we have a, a guest that most of our listeners will be at least well familiar with his music. But uh, I'm very excited about this interview because we, we hear some of the stories behind some of these classic songs and newer songs. And I think we really get a sense of his heart. So stick around because right after this song, we're going to talk to Brian Dirksen. Most of you recognize that song. I recognize that song. Yeah, now is the time to worship. But that's that's a brand new recording by Brian Dirksen and a fresh arrangement of it. I would imagine that probably most people on the podcast will recognize the song. Well, I mean, our guest today has uh, I, I, almost you know a huge number of these classic songs that we have been singing. Not just in Canada, but globally. I've been to many countries in worship services that I didn't even speak the language. Right. And then we sing a Brian Dirksen song. Well, I think, I, I think, I think two weeks ago I was in Mali, West Africa. Okay, now, now you're begging or something. And we sang a Brian Dirksen song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I walked up to the song leader and said, you are, of course, going to send him the royalties. <laughs> And he smiled at me. He shook his head. Good, good. That's, good. That's. I don't know what's happening, but right. Anyway. Well, I'm sure uh, our guest will will be able to tell us. Uh, but you know, I was actually in preparation for our guest today on in an interview that we're about to ha- have. Uh, I was playing some of the the songs that he sent us, the right. the uh, fresh arrangements, and then some newer stuff that we'll play later in the program. But my wife Cheryl was listening, and she immediately was overcome with emotion, and she she remembered a time when a faithful one is playing faithful oh, one, right. and yep. a season of our life that was profoundly difficult. And uh, we were walking with somebody who was um, uh, struggling with with cancer, and mm. every week, okay. my wife would drive uh, with her to her appointment, oncology appointment, and um, and that song uh, they played it every time. They played it over and over, right? And leaning into this this promise and this this beautiful portrait of God. So, I, let's just. I want to introduce our guest because we're, we're talking about it, but we want him to talk about it. Brian, so thankful that you could be part of Faith Effects today. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Um, Brian, uh, w- w- we just heard your song, Now is the Time to Worship. I'm going to ask you in a bit to, to tell us some of your own personal journey, but could you tell us a bit about what was going on when you, when you wrote that song? Wow, that's uh, written really on the streets of London, England. I 
we, Joyce and I and our five young children had just moved there and we had just tried to launch a major creative ministry project, a musical called Father's House that had collapsed. We, the overall project lost over a million dollars in the end. We were kind of homeless, homeless with five young children and we were offered a job. No kidding. We were offered a job on the other side of the world. So we showed up with not knowing anybody, um, just starting to get to know the people in the church and the movement of churches that I was hired to help. And, uh, you know, shortly after arriving one morning, walking on the streets of London and anybody's been there, you kind of know what London's like. It's so international and, and, but I was barely hanging on to my face. I, I had, it was a pretty big quote unquote public failure of this project. And I heard this, it was like a sound, like it was like electricity crackling in the air and this, this, this come now is the time. And I'm like looking up at the heavens going now, <laughs> you know, you know, I, I, I'm barely hanging on to my faith uh, now. Um, yeah. So that was the seed of, of, of the song, which I wrote and, um, and it just may, has made its way all over the world. A song written in my brokenness, in my struggle, uh, envisioning that God welcomes us to come as we are, um, has seemed to resonate with other people. Brian, thank you so much. Uh, I, I, I sense for many of your songs, if not all of them, they're coming out of a pretty deep place. And I think that's where they reach into a very deep place. Could you take a few moments? Most of our listeners will be well familiar with your music, but maybe not so much with you as a person. And you've mentioned uh, your marriage to Joyce, your five children. Give us a little bit of a sense of who you are. Well, I, I, I grew up um, in Abbotsford on the West Coast. Uh, I, I actually, I'm me and my wife and our youngest son still live in the house that I was raised in. So, little farmhouse, and uh, grew up in a in a family of faith. My my dad was a singer. My mom was just a uh, a teacher, homemaker, an incredible woman of faith and prayer. But I. You know, I went through my usual teen, <laughs> really don't want to have anything to do with faith until one night in, in my bedroom, which is now my son's bedroom. I had an encounter with God and um, just a shift happened in my heart, an openness, a vulnerability that I that maybe God um, was a little bit different than some of the rigid um, religious stuff that I was I was pushing against, and that maybe the heart of God was love, and um, it, that began my my spiritual journey um, deeply uh, planted in me. And then the songs started coming shortly after. You know, I, I mean, I think you know, <laughs> I've always just written these simple, heartfelt songs, and I and I've. Um, I've been a little surprised at the way they've connected with people. And then as I've gone on in my journey, I've, I've, we've, we've had the wrestle of having my wife and I have three special needs children of our six who require support for the rest of their life. 
they have fragile X syndrome. And um, so, you know, just this morning, you know, uh, I wake up, I go get my son. Uh, he needs he needs help with a lot of things, you know, toileting, you know, getting ready for the day, feeding. Um, um, he has almost no words, but he's absolute, a bundle of love and affection. And, um, and thus one of life's greatest gifts. I always say Isaiah teaches us every day that life is about giving and receiving love. So, you know, that's, 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 those are the kinds of things that anchor me and are behind the scenes. You know, I, you know, it really, in some ways has no bearing on the music and in other ways it has, it, it, it impacts everything about what I do musically. You had, uh, Brian, this is Bernie speaking. You mentioned uh, just now, just a moment ago about the surprise. Um, I mentioned at times that there are two surprises. There's the surprise of the song arriving and the surprise of the song's impact. I was wondering, do you have a a favorite story about, uh, you know, how the song has, you know, surprised either you or somebody else in its impact sort of out and beyond yourself? Well, I think, yeah, I would have many, many stories, you know, right off the top mm-hmm. of my head. Um, I, there's a music ethnicologist travels to Iran, um, goes to a small village in some place in Iran and and says to this, comes into this village and says to some people, and I'm here to, you know, study your, your music and play me something in, in, in your mother tongue. And they start playing in Farsi, come now is the time to worship in Iran, you know, <laughs> or, or, or a couple who, who were kidnapped by extremists, um, and, uh, thrown into this kind of cell and with nothing, not a single possession, not, not a book, not a Bible, not a phone, nothing. And they realized as they got, went into this horrifying situation, the only thing we have is what we carry in our memory. And they, and they started what they called a captivity hymn book. And when they eventually got released the next year, they wrote to thank me because they said many of the songs we sang that sustained us in that cell were your songs um, because we remembered them and they helped us. And I'm like, I'm just sitting there going, oh, you know, wow. Like here I am in my little, my little ordinary house in Canada and in my dining room table with my guitar and a, and a, and a notepad and maybe my Bible open, just singing some simple songs and they find their way to people who need them. And that's an incredibly encouraging, humbling thing. It's, it's very beautiful, Brian. And I'm, I'm thinking as you're speaking and I'm thinking about our listeners listening to this, uh, such a beautiful testament to how our lives are actually this collaboration with God, with his spirit and the things we do and we use our gifts in faithfulness without strategy, without thinking I'm going to, you know, somebody in Farsi is going to translate this and, and say, this is my faith in my mother tongue or people in persecution and isolation are going to find a lifeline to God. But, but I, I, it's encouraging for me and I think for all of us to think that 
our faithfulness to what God has shown us and given us uh, has often in the hands of God this dramatic outsized impact. Brian, I'm wondering, I do a little writing and I'm often asked, do I have a favorite book? And I have a response to that that I won't say, but do you have a favorite song? That's that's not his or that no, is no, no, his? No, 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 or no, one no, of no, no, no. Well, actually, yeah. I'd like to know one of okay, each. Okay, one of each. A favorite Brian Dirksen song yeah. and then a favorite, you know, whatever that don't, yeah, secular, whatever, yeah, 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 Christian. Yeah, wow. I mean... I did get a little chuckle, Mark, when I heard you say I do a little writing. That's that that I won't I won't follow <laughs> that rabbit trail right now. Um, no, don't. <laughs> um, boy, well, I mean, if I want to talk about formative, um, for me, I as a teenager, the song of Phil Keggy, "Let Everything Else Go." Um, I used to mm. I used to put that on my cassette. Player. I would. I was working at a, a rose nursery, so I was working very physically demanding with thorns and rose bushes and in the dirt and right. long days. And at the end of my day, I would let, lie down and before I would go to sleep, I would always put on Phil Keggy. I can't wait to see you, Jesus, face to face. Nothing in this world can take your place. All the pride of man laid low and all his works of gold. Nothing can compare with what you are. Let everything else go. And his, his just like weeping guitar. He has this incredible technique with his guitar. Anyway, he, right. you know, so, yeah. so that song was probably one of the most formative. And then, you know, my songs... Boy, that's a that's a hard question to answer. You know, most songwriters would it's say like asking well, what your favorite child is. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and in some ways, I would just have to say the last song I wrote, right? Because <laughs> because you meet with God in the creative process, and you meet with yourself. You see your own self and your own soul, and so let's say the last song on my last album, Grateful, it's called Everlasting Arms, and I. I, I wrote it for this couple that were going through hell and they thought their suffering, this was never going to end. And, you know, and I, and I wrote this simple song. We don't know when the storm is going to break, but underneath all things are the everlasting arms. And I, and I think about this concept that we think often about the sovereignty of God, that he's above and he's causing things to happen and then I started thinking, what if we shift it to think about God is underneath all things and he is sustaining and he is catching us when we fall. And when we fall, either in death or suffering, we fall into the arms of love. Um, so, yeah, so that song feels special to me. And um yeah. Thank you. I, I listened to that last night. I'd heard, I'd heard it before and profoundly moved. Bernie, I, I just thought that uh, Bernie, again, is a historical and systematic theologian here. And uh, Bernie, this is the way that Brian want, you know, walked into and talked about the theological right. thoughts underneath. I, I th what would you want to ask? <clears throat> Well, a lot actually. This could be a, this could be a two parter, but uh, podcast. But you know, I um, I often tell um, 
seminarians and, and people at the university here uh, in class that that the most important catechism that most churches have today is actually in the singing of the songs, right? Because there's a there's a mnemonic work going on there where, where if you get people to say the words, they're more likely to remember them or sing them, give them a tune to hang the words on. They'll remember them even better than the sermon. Um, and uh, and I'm, I'm really convinced that's true and that it's always been true. Um, so, boy, there's just so many questions that come out of that uh, that, I, you know, I... I'd like to ask, um, Brian, if you were to point out a, a, a theological theme that is actually either underplayed or maybe one that's overplayed in contemporary uh, uh, you know, church music, uh, do you ever think about that, that, you know, we're underplaying this, we're overplaying that? Uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think about that all the time, and I'm also a songwriting instructor, so I teach songwriters. And right. This is, this is a great passion of mine. So overplay, uh, the greatness of God, um, which almost sounds heretical to say. So <laughs> let me just say it this way, that when all we're singing over and over again is our God is greater, you know, God is all power. It's like, it's like the message and person of Jesus gets completely obscured and it becomes, it can so easily turn into, to, towards political power, towards, I don't know, I, I have this, such a, this incredible memory of arriving in Dubai in the Middle East, getting, having a, a di very difficult time just entering the country because of some other things that were going on with Canada and UAE. Anyway, finally getting getting released hours later to go into the country. This this pastor picks me up in this car and he looks at me and he goes, like, what's going on with modern worship music these days? You know, like our God is greater is the big song. He says, can you imagine us singing that in the Middle East? Uh, and I looked at him and I said, yeah, I know I have the same concern about the, what I call the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable, you know, like, it's like God is great. Yes. But it's how he expresses his greatness. That is so, um, amazing. And when we look at all of scripture, I think we see, uh, the arc towards humility, towards love, towards the incarnation. So I think that kind of thing is being overplayed and what's being underplayed mm -hmm. is emotionally healthy worship, spirituality. Uh, the voice of lament is underplayed. The, the healthy human emotions in worship are being underplayed out of fear of may, you know, maybe we're afraid that, well, if, we, if we include those things, it becomes too much about us or our feelings, or it's too subjective. Right. But I look at the yeah. Psalm book in the heart of the Bible, the, the Psalms, and I go, you have 40% lament. And most modern churches can't think of a single lament they've sung in the last 12 months. Right? So, which mm. to me is a, yeah. is a sin against the suffering uh, among us. Um, the, the, the people who suffer, the people who are in grief need to be able to come into our worship services and hear a song and go, I'm not alone. Um, 
I'm not the only one experiencing grief right now. And I think that's, I think that's true of the high church, liturgical churches and the free, you know, whatever you want to call them, charismatic uh, evangelical churches. I think that the lament is incredibly underrepresented and the greatness of God chanting louder, shouting louder, God is great, is overplayed. Yeah, I, uh, one of my favorite Carl Barth quotes, 20th century theologian, when talking about the greatness of God, says, actually, the way that God most profoundly manifests his greatness is in humility. Yeah. Right. And because the other gods have to stay puffed up, the supposed gods have to stay puffed up. They have to keep uh, going up. But what we actually see in uh, the God of Scripture uh, is the, his power in that he can be made small, yet at the same time not diminish his divinity. So good. I actually was thinking of a, a Karl Barth quote where he says, God is most God in the crucifixion. Mm hmm. And um, Brian, I, I, I want to start to transition into what you're currently doing, but that's a great segue because I, you've been working on a number of things, but one of them is setting the Psalms to music with a group called the Sheer Poets. And, and as you say, 40% of the Psalms are lament or angry, uh, where are you, God, that sort of thing. And I uh, remember a few years ago attending a, con um, a concert with you and the Sheer Poets and the incredible release of emotion among people who can finally express their grief or anger as a form of worship. Could you, could you maybe begin there talking about that work and then uh, give us a, a catch us up with what's happening in your life right now? love to. Um, in fact, um, on the day we're recording this podcast, I'm going into the studio tonight to finalize the mixes of the Sheer Poets Volume 3, which is Psalms 21 to 30. And we are, it's been a two-year process because we all have other full-time jobs, right? So it's like a little part-time hobby on the side, so to speak. But you know, the, the journey of Psalm 21 to 30 is incredible because you have things like Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, and this epic kind of Psalm uh, 22, then you go into the Lord is my shepherd, and then you go into 24, the earth is the Lord's. Oh, I just, I, I feel like my whole being almost like vibrates with energy when I sing these. And uh, so we've set those to, to, to new kind of folk rock melodies in our kind of musical mother tongue. And we're pretty excited about this next batch. And we continue to explore singing all of the diverse themes that the Psalms so beautifully represent. And then I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in the thick. I've, I've, I've started recording my first Christmas album. And you talk about the greatness of God is best expressed in his humility. When you think about the story of the birth of Jesus and how this whole, you know, the longing of Advent leading to his birth, I... So for me, I've been I've been working. I've, I've, I wrote about thirty new Christmas songs, and I've had to whittle those down to like a dozen. Just yesterday, I was in the studio starting to work on one, and was moved to tears by this this truth that that Emmanuel is with us in in our in the dust, 
in the dirt that we have this line in one song in the dust in the dirt to us a child is born like in our sadness in our humanity to us this great god is revealed as as love and with us so yeah so i'm i'm I, i'm as as we say in our home right now it is always christmas and never winter now, of course, I can only say that because mm, I live yeah. on the extreme west coast, <laughs> and we haven't had any snow, oh, sh- any oh, snow, snow this year. <laughs> but I'm literally, I started working on these Christmas songs in August of this past year, and I'm going to work on this album till about August of this coming summer. So it's going to be always Christmas, no matter what what is happening outside. <laughs> but it's great. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can you say anything about, uh, I know you're, you're exploring uh, doing some, some workshops. Are you able to talk a bit about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm um, doing my first um, kind of like a writer's retreat for what we call a summer retreat for songwriters and liturgists called Lyrics and Litanies this August, um, hosting it for 12. You have to audition and we're going to pick 12 writers and they're going to come to our house. We're going to feed them. We're going to teach them. We're, they're going to meet with each other. And we're just going to try and spur one another on to write better songs, to be more theologically true while being also po- poetically expressive. Like, and which isn't, which isn't the easiest thing, hey? <laughs> like trying, no. trying to have a deep theological uh, weight and anchor underneath the surface of the words, but that right on the surface of the words, they're very um, not just poetic, but they they're emotional, like that they're engaging you where you live, and this is the challenge. So, so yeah, that's where I, I want to just increasingly both do the creative work, but I want to help other people be creative and write you know, emotionally healthy and spiritually and theologically rooted um, songs and liturgy. So that's what I'm working on. Okay. So, so if I were an aspiring songwriter and I want to hang out and get fed at the Dirksen house uh, coming up, how do I go about that? Oh, you just go to my website. The info is all briandirksen.com. And there's right there on the, on the front page or right up on the lyrics and litanies event and the process, just a simple audition. I say, we're not looking for professional. We're looking for potential. Oh, so Mark Buchanan could apply. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He said there's an audition. Yeah, there's yeah. an audition. <laughs> there is. <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> I could oh. maybe, I could maybe do the cleanup or something. Yeah. You could carry actually, a tune in you the You know bucket. what, I'm, Bernie, right now I'm envisioning people listening to this and almost veering off the road at this incredible opportunity. So um, that's what's... Brian, we're, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to uh, we're gonna play a, a song that's quite new in your repertoire, Scars on His Hands. Can you say something about this song and then we'll play it for our listeners? Well, um, a friend of mine who's a pastor in the Calgary area, Joyce Reese, who who, who also is um, one of the sessional faculty at Ambrose, uh, was in the classroom at Prairie where I was teaching on songwriting a few years ago. And uh, she just made a comment to our class about Jesus and his resurrected body still having scars. And I, and I was just 
arrested. And I just scribbled down on a piece of paper. My king has got scars on his hands, must sing. And I had I had gone five years without writing a new original song. I had lost my words. And that's another story that I had struggled deeply. And I knew in that moment that the, the, the drought was over. And I went and I started writing this song about the fact that Jesus in um, allowing those scars to remain shows his deep identification with our suffering and that the king that we declare um, is is not just this grand cosmic um, king that is untouched by humanity's suffering, but he took our suffering right into his very being. And that's the king we follow. That was Scars on His Hands uh, by Brian Dirksen. I'm Bertie Vandewall with Mark Buchanan. You're listening to Faith Effects Podcast. Brian, it has been a treat for me uh, to electronically get to meet you. Uh, I want to thank you for the time you've given us. I'd love to have you back to talk about other aspects of your life, some of which we heard about today, but we'll we'll save that for another day. Yeah, i uh, so thankful, Brian, to catch up with you and hear your heart. And indeed, I felt like we were just getting going and would would love to do this again. So thank you for being with us today on Faith Effects. Very welcome. It was great to be together and have a conversation. Let's keep it going. Amen. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Come celebrate the 10th anniversary of Ambrose University's campus. There will be an opportunity for alumni to reconnect, campus tours, and a concert by award-winning musician and alumnus Keith Kitchen. Register online at ambrose.edu.